Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. You can have order and spontaneity together. You're supposed to have that. You're supposed to have the creativity of the Spirit, the spontaneity of the Spirit, and have order all at the same time. That's a good thing. Amen. You know, God is a God of order. He created everything in order. Everything has divine order. His church has divine order. But it's also supposed to have the moving of the Spirit to where the Lord can just do what He wants to do in the midst of it. You know, it's a process to learn how to do that. And I always had, when I was sitting in church, I always had uh, ideas about, well, I would do this and I would do that. And then when you get to doing it to where you're leading it, you go, well, it's just not, not quite as simple as what I thought it was. But you know what? Really, God's pretty simple, though. He just wants to be with his people. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, ma'am, I just want to tell you uh, that whatever you're searching for and whatever you're looking for, like you've been asking and inquiring of the Lord about some things, and you're going to get the answers of what you've been looking for. And I just, I just saw a real uh, searching going on, and, and it's, like, it's like the Lord just let me peer into your soul. That sounds a little strange, probably not in a weird way. But um, I was just able to see that there's a searching and there's a hunger that's going on there. And I, don't, I, feel, like I, I feel like I know you or should know you. I, I probably have met you before. Oh, okay, okay, I see, I see the resemblance now. Wonderful. But I just, I just saw that there was a searching and a seeking going on. And maybe your relationship with the Lord is already great, but I know it's going to get even better and more intimate and further along. But whatever it is that you're seeking the Lord for, he's going to give you the answers that you're looking for. Amen. Amen. I know that I could give anybody that, but am I right that there's some things that you're really inquiring the Lord and trying to understand some things? God's going to give that to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I just love, I love God. I love the word of the Lord, whether it's from his word or releasing the word. If it's from him, I want it. I just came to that conclusion a long time ago that if, if it's of God, then I want it. And <laughs> a lot of things that we think, and we think God is a certain way, he's not really that way at all. It's just because we've thought of him that way. So part of having the moving of the Spirit in your own life, not just in a service, but in your own life, is you have to be willing for the Lord to speak to you and to reveal things to you in new ways and new levels that you haven't had before. That's a word for several of you in here. New ways and in new levels in what you've experienced before. And sometimes just the, the pride of human flesh wants to say, I've got this thing figured out. The more I know, the less I know. The more I know of the Lord, the more I realize I don't know very much. But what I do know and what you do know, you should be very confident in and you should continue in. But if there are certain things that aren't working, it's worth giving the Holy Ghost an opportunity to change whatever needs to be changed in your life. Because he wants things to work really well. He wants your relationship to work really well. I heard something just the other day, I think actually it was yesterday, and it, it made so much sense to me. And the guy that was ministering, he said, if you're praying and you don't feel like you're getting answers, he said, the reason is, is because you're praying and asking about things that God doesn't care about. Now, let me, let me soften that up a little bit. <laughs> 
God cares about what's going on in your life. He cares about your needs. He cares about your heart. But the deal is, is that God has plan A for your life. He has plan A for the kingdom. He doesn't have plan B or C or D. So oftentimes we find ourselves way over here or way over here saying, Lord, bless this, bless this, bless this. And he's going, actually, the blessing's on what I'm interested in. And if you'll get interested in what I'm interested in, then you're going to experience real fulfillment in your life. And this is so difficult for some people because they think, oh, man, I've been praying. It's just like God's just not talking to me and I'm just not hearing him. And I don't know why he's being silent. It's because you're probably tuned into things that if he were to answer those prayers and to give you all of the fulfillment in those areas, he would actually be fulfilling a carnal desire, if we can be so honest to say that. Who in here has ever prayed about something carnal before? And you go, man, I sure am glad God didn't answer that. <laughs> sure I'm glad I didn't get that thing that I was praying for, right? And so there's wisdom sometimes in the Lord. And it's not that he's not listening and he's not actively engaged with us because he is. But oftentimes he's really just trying to get our attention to say, will you get teamed up with what's really important to me? With how I think and how I see things? And the Bible says that he's given us the mind of Christ, which means we have the capacity in us to think just like God thinks, to believe like God believes, to pray like Jesus prayed, to get the results that Jesus got. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, uh, I haven't arrived, but praise God, I have left. I haven't arrived at the place of seeing the full fulfillment of everything that Jesus did and said and believed, but I am on my way to seeing that. You know, I learned something this, this past week that was really uh, struck me as something that I'd never, never seen before. I want to take you here really quickly before I get into my message. Is that okay? I'm going to say that was a yes. Matthew 16. You all know better than to say anything because I'm going to go there whether you say anything yes or no. doesn't matter. Matthew 16. And in verse 15, so Matthew 16 and 15, and Jesus was speaking to his disciples at this point. And he said to them in verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also want to say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From, the, from that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now listen to this, Peter, how flip-floppy he is because he just had this revelation and Jesus commended him. Then he said, then, or, excuse me, verse 22, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <laughs> now I just got done saying, you are Christ, the son of the living God. 
I don't know about you all, but I don't think it's too smart to rebuke the son of the living God. But that's what Peter did. And he said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now listen to this. You are an offense to me. Why was he an offense to him? The next part reveals. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And I was reading this this past week, and it was just, it was just like a two-by-four upside my spiritual head. <laughs> and I realized how you can offend God. It's not my words. These are Jesus' words. He said, you are an offense to me. Why? Because you are mindful of carnal, natural things of man and not of the things of God. How much, and this is a question, not an indictment, although you might feel indicted after I ask the question, but that's between you and the Holy Ghost. How much of our time do we spend thinking like mere men, but yet we're wanting eternal results? We can't get the highest level of blessing and increase and favor and miracles and whatever. We can't get that thinking like a man. We need to think like Jesus who thought like God. And I realize, be totally transparent, I still have a fair amount of my time that I'm offensive to God. I'm better than I used to be but I still have a little ways to go. Who could, who could join in with me on that? So there's no condemnation. But if I would, let me just ask, I'll just see a show of hands, and I'm gonna ask a few things, and then I want you to stick your hand in, up. Who wants to see miracles, nations shaken, people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus, powerful things happen, See the God's best happen in your life? Who, want, who wants to see all of that and so much more? You know how that happens? We've got to do things like Jesus did it. Jesus, I'm not, I know this might come as a shock to some of you, but I am not the perfect example of a Christian. It's kind of a joke. I thought a few of you might think that, so I just wanted to clear that up, clear the air. Jesus was the most normal Christian that ever walked the earth. How do we know that? Because that's where the term Christian came from. Little Christ. It was actually a, a derogatory term that they said, you guys act just like him. And so now we're like, thank you. But sometimes we wear the badge, but we really don't act like the badge that we wear. It's not a condemning thing. It's not straighten your act up. That's not what I'm saying at all. But even just a lot of how we think and we process things and we go about dealing with the coronavirus, <laughs> dealing with the politicians involved in the coronavirus, dealing with all of the conspiracy revolved around the coronavirus. I don't know about you all, but like I get flooded with like, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And this is, and a lot, a lot of conflicting things. And they had stuff like that that happened in their day. They didn't have Facebook or anything, but they had things like that that happened. 
But you see, Jesus was just steadfast. He was just steadfast all the time. He was never moved. He was never shaken. He wasn't pulled to the left or to the right with things. He was just steadfast. Even so much that at one point, the disciples were, he had, he had eaten, as he said, but they thought he was talking about natural food. And this is in John chapter 4. He was talking about spiritual food. And they said, well, who, who fed him? Which, did you feed him? I didn't feed him. Did you feed him? And he said, I've had food that you, you're not aware of. And they said, well, where'd you get this food? And he said, my food is to do the will of the Father and to finish the work that he sent me to do. Heavenly perspective is our highest call here on this earth. No matter what you do, no matter where you're at, everybody's supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, speak with new tongues, all of the above and much more. Preach the gospel. Everybody's supposed to do that. Amen. You're not here to make a million bucks or a billion bucks. Although God wants you to do that while you are here because he wants you to be blessed in the process and he wants to use your money to advance the kingdom. Amen. True? But that's not why you are here. You are here to fulfill his mission, his co-mission. What was the co-mission? Co means like a joined thing. He had a mission and he co-missioned them to fulfill the father's mission which is to take the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and bring it into the earth. So then we have to wake up every day and go, Lord, what am I thinking about? What am I passionate about? What am I pursuing? And some people could take this the wrong way, and they're like, I'm quitting my job, and I'm, I'm, you know, whatever, and go off the, the deep end. And God's not asking you to do that, but it's just like as you're working your job, as you're taking care of your family, as you're going about your life, what is your primary focus? Is it, is it me-centered? Is it, is it kingdom of man-centered? Or is it kingdom of God-centered? This is the question that everybody needs to ask. This is the question that all of us need to ask ourselves. What am I doing? I believe that the Lord has specific will that he calls all of us to do things, but no matter what you're doing vocationally, all of our call is the same. Heal the, sec, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, speak with new tongues, preach the gospel, teach all nations, you know, all of the things in the Great Commission. Everybody has the exact same call on their life. It just looks different based on where you're at and who you're in connection with but we're supposed to be about his business and about what he says is important and about what he values. And I, I learned this a long time ago that I want to be rallied around the thing that God calls important. Amen. Not what Kent thinks is important. Because for years, I could just be honest with you, for years, even after I graduated Bible college, here I was, Bible college graduate, most people would have thought I was so spiritual. I was not. <laughs> my goal, like my aim was like, <laughs> I want to make this amount of money. I want to have this kind of vehicle. And, and I wasn't saying that I didn't love God or I didn't want to reach people. 
But that wasn't my goal. That wasn't my aim. And you can tell how you're postured and what you're really thinking and going towards based on how you're thinking. What are your thoughts wrapped up in? Are they all about like me thoughts? It's a natural tendency for human beings. We came into this world after Adam. We were born after Adam in the flesh, which means we were born automatically full of self. This is why two-year-olds act like they do. This is why babies act like they do. They come out and they just think all about themselves. Feed me, change me, hug me, hold me, whatever it is. And the thing is, is that the kingdom of God has come in. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. By all means, please take care of your babies. But God's kingdom is completely opposite of the world's kingdom. The world is all about fulfilling self and, and, and gratifying self. But God's kingdom is all about glorifying, edifying, and gratifying the Father. Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And there's, a, there's this, this flip that needs to happen with so many of us, and I believe that this is, this is a, a message for the hour that we live in for right now because I had something totally different, which I'm not going to have time to get to because the Lord put all this on my heart as I'm standing here telling you. But there's a, there's a flip that needs to happen in us to where we go from just existing to where our purpose is his purpose, to where his purpose is our purpose. Amen. Am I hitting home with anybody in here? Because this is the, and, and I think that this is one of the things that, that leaders always need to come back and talk about because it's the natural tendency for human beings to get really wrapped up in self. Like right now, you could take an in, instant inventory about things in your life that you know so many things about what's going on in your life, financially, your health. And I'm not saying don't pay attention to those things. Please don't misunderstand me. But even in the room, <laughs> I'm hungry. When's he going to be done? It's cold. It's hot. Probably nobody's saying it's hot. It's a little cold in here. Whatever it is, you can take an instant inventory of everything that's going on in your life. But Jesus, when you look at him, he could always take an instant inventory of what was going on with the Heavenly Father, what his business was about, what he was really concerned with. I really want to be latched on to that mission and to that heart and really have God's heart and his purpose is running through my vein, my veins, and I don't want to have it just Kent's stuff and Kent's ideals. Anybody relate to this? And there's this delicate balance because it's not that we're not supposed to take care of, of things of life, but it's not supposed to be our substance of life. Our substance is supposed to come from, from him. And if you look in John chapter 6, turn with me to, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Everybody doing okay? And actually, I want to read this from the Passion Translation because I like how it, it says it so well. Let's go to verse 41, and I just read it, want to read a few verses here. John 6 and 41. It says, when the Jews were hostile to Jesus... 
excuse me, let me start over. I finally found it and I can't read it right. When the Jews who were hostile to Jesus heard him say, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they immediately begin to complain. How can he say these things about himself? We know him and we know his parents. How dare he say, I have come down from heaven. This is the exact same response you will get whenever you tell people that God sent me here or that I belong to God or I'm seated with him in heavenly places or I'm, as the Lord told me recently, I'm seated in the place of favor. People go, how dare you? I don't know how you could read the Bible and dare not say that. Verse 43, Jesus responded, stop your grumbling. The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me. And those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. Jesus continued, it has been written by the prophets. They will all be taught by God himself. If you're really listening to the Father and learning directly from him, you will come to me. For I am the only one who has come from the Father's side, and I have seen the Father. I speak to you living truth. Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will experience eternal life. There is a difference between receiving eternal life and experiencing eternal life. A lot of us believe in eternal life doctrinally and even had an encounter at one point. We gave our heart to Jesus. We came to the altar. A, a friend told us. And it was like, yes, maybe tears flowed. We experienced it. But we don't necessarily live in the place of continuing to have eternal life manifest in our life. This is why it says in John chapter 17, Jesus said that, that, that knowing me is eternal life. It's not a length of days. It's a quality of life. And when you experience, encounter, and partake of that quality of life, that's what you'll reproduce. You kind of become what you eat. Amen. It's not literal. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be yogurt because that's what I had for breakfast. Verse 48, it says, I am, the, I am the true bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and died, but standing here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you will never die. Think about being there and hearing him say this. I'm the bread you're supposed to eat. Eat me. <laughs> sound quite right, but anyways... They were all thinking natural terms, you understand. He says, I am, I am uh, uh, alone, am this living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. The living bread I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice so that all may live. These words of Jesus sparked an angry outburst among the Jews. You could imagine. They protested saying, does this man expect us to eat his body? Jesus replied to them, listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will not have eternal life. 
Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I in him. Jesus was trying to grab their attention with something that was so real and so normal to them because every human being eats. All of these people understood what it meant to eat. And so he was using this as a picture, and it was almost, almost, uh, it was almost gross in how he said it because he was saying to literally, he was saying to eat. He wasn't literally saying it, but he was saying it so they would think that he was literally saying it because they didn't understand the spiritual truths. But now we can look at it and say the thing that causes us to be sustained, and it says the ones that have eternal life aren't the ones who just eat it and partake of it, and then it's done. The ones who have eternal life are the ones who continue to eat. And he used the natural analogy to produce a spiritual truth in their hearts if they would receive it. Because you don't eat food one time and are sustained for the rest of your life. You eat food every single day, unless you're fasting, you eat food every single day because your body requires it if you are going to be active, if you are going to move, if, you're, if your digestive system's going to work, if your heart's going to pump, if your brain's going to work. Everything in your life requires you to eat if you are going to live here on this earth. And what Jesus was saying is that everything that heaven has and everything spiritually that is in your life or in the kingdom of God only works if you continually eat of me, if you continually feast of me, if you continually partake of me. Yet what has snuck into the church by and large, and I mean this with all of the love in my heart because I've been guilty of it myself, to where we come in, we get spoon-fed, for here, we have long services here. Not really, but people tell me that all the time. Oh, two whole hours. I'll probably quit early today. Bless your heart. And I used to go to services for three and four hours, man. This is nothing. But if you got a long service nowadays, it's two hours. And then we spend the whole rest of the week, most people, God love you, God bless you. And we don't eat of anything spiritually. And if we do, it's a snack. You say, man, this just feels... I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to waken you up a little bit here. There is a shaking that has and is happening. And there's an awakening. I'm telling you, there's an awakening that's happening and is going to happen in this world. But it has to happen in the church first. How can we give out something that we really don't partake of? Imagine if all you did every day was just eat a package of ramen noodles. It wouldn't be very good, would it? And it really wouldn't sustain you. See, we don't think that way physically. We think Get up, eat. Lunch, eat. Afternoon snack, forgot the morning snack. <laughs> Dinner, <laughs> evening snack. A few more munchies right before bed. <laughs> Come on now. Hopefully you're healthier than that, but it's America. Safe bet. 
But yet when it comes to things spiritually, we, we really don't do that. And we really need to do that. And you cannot do that, and God will love you. You cannot do that, and you'll still get into heaven. But you probably won't take too many people with you. And it says that the secrets of God are revealed for the lovers of God. An eye has not seen, an ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Who love him. I love my wife. And my love language is quality time. So whenever we're together, I don't really care what we're doing just so long as we're together. And for me, that's me loving her. Actually, me loving her is like cleaning and doing stuff like that. That's when, I, that's when I'm really showing my love. When I get past how it's benefiting me, but I work to benefit her. How we really show God love is when we work past it just benefiting us, but we work to benefit him. God is a spirit, but he's also a person. And we know this because we were created in his, his image. He's not a human person. He's a spirit person, but he is, he is a person. And there, there, it's a relationship, not a one-way grumbling train. I'm only telling you things that I've done plenty myself, so... But sometimes our, our prayer and our t- even our time in worship, think about this. Most of what we do when we come in worship is we want, we want to experience and encounter God because we want to get a word, we want to feel something, we want to know something, we want to hear something, we want to go to the next level, we want to whatever it is, and that's not bad. But if we're really coming in to encounter him, shouldn't we be worried about what he wants to say? Do you know why I'm saying all this right now? Because I opened my mouth during worship and said to him, literally, these are my exact words, Jesus, this is your service. What do you want to say? Because he was working a message in my heart and it's probably for another week. That's fine. But I said, what do you want to say? What do you want to tell your people? Because these are your people. They're not my people. I'm just a steward of your people. What do you want to say? And that's, that is what worship, relationship, fellowship, communication with the Lord looks like is when we come in and we start getting more concerned about what he wants than just about getting our needs met. And you know what's awesome is that when you do that, you'll find your needs get met. When you learn to just serve him, you'll find your needs get met. Let me finish with going back in Matthew chapter 16. Because we haven't looked at this verse in context often enough. And we often quote the verse, and I'm as guilty as anybody else, where we say, get behind me, Satan. And that definitely is a very profound thing. But then Jesus reveals to us what is offensive to him. And if it was offensive to Jesus, it's offensive to God because they they were one. 
And what was offensive is that he was mindful of the things of man and not the things of God. And remember, remember this, that all of this is, this is put together and taking things in context is very important. Look at verse 24. It says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him pray that he might get all of his needs met and that he will feel good during worship and that he will cry tears when he's praying and that every need will be taken. No, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So in other words, Jesus was saying to Peter, he said, you're offensive to me because you're thinking like a man and not thinking like God. And then he says, if you really want to find your life, you first have to lose it. I believe in prosperity from the Bible with all my heart. I've preached it for years. I could go to the word and I could show you so many things that God wants us to prosper and how he wants us to prosper. But do you know what? Brother Hagen said years ago, and there was a book even written about it. I need to read it. I just haven't, haven't read it. And it was about the Midas touch. And if you remember the story, it was a fictional story about King Midas, where he basically, he had some kind of a wish or something, and he said, I want everything I touch to turn to gold. And what happened is things that he didn't want to turn to gold ended up turning to gold, and it, and it destroyed his life. His own daughter turned into gold. It's a fictional story. Brother Hagen called in so many of the faith ministers before he passed on, and he said, I'm giving you a, a word of warning. He said, you, if you are not careful, you will take prosperity, and you will turn it wrong, and you will teach from a wrong perspective and a wrong heart. So then what's happened is that we had no prosperity to prosperity being taught tremendous truths, but then it all started to get self focused. It all started to be about, I literally, I literally watched a guy one time. I don't even remember his name. He was not that well known, I guess, but his whole ministry was about prosperity. And that was his message. And the whole thing, his whole ministry was about send your money in so that I can continue this message. And it's like, well, what's your message? Telling people to send their money into you. So, and so it was, and then the next shot, I couldn't believe my eyes. I was very young when I saw this. He was standing in his driveway and it was, he had a huge, I mean, around here, it'd probably be a $3 million home. And man, if you live in a $3 million home, bless you. Praise God. I'm happy for you. And then he had a Rolls Royce pull up in front of him. And then he had all these other fancy cars and look, I'm not against fancy cars and I'm not against nice houses. I want you to have the nicest cars and the nicest homes in Perryville. And God does too. But that is not why you are here. That is not why God has given us prosperity. He's given us prosperity so that we can be a blessing and to establish his covenant in the earth. He said, I've given you the power to prosper. You have the power to do that, but it's to establish his covenant in the earth. So you can see how something that was intended for good, the enemy twisted it, and it became all about fulfilling man's desires. 
Because as far as I'm concerned, we're not going to take any of our houses or any of our cars with us when we go to heaven. Doesn't mean we can't have nice stuff here. Don't misunderstand me. Because someone could go outside and see, man, I got a, we got a new car. Someone would go out and go, well, I thought he would. No, God wants us to be blessed. It's no problem. But that car could blow up, not with anyone in it, but whatever. It, it could get destroyed, and, uh, whatever. It's, it's a vehicle. It's, that's not what my life is about. My life is about God's business. I'm about his business. I'm about his kingdom. I'm about what he wants. Do you see this? So we've got so many things that have come in and they've really, in a sense, been almost like a false gospel or a false message that's come in. And because of the power we have in our words, the power that we have in, in wisdom and understanding, we've often taken it and we've used it for self. What we need to do is just humbly come before the Lord, get down on our face and our knees and say, God, all of it belongs to you. And you know what you'll find? You'll be more blessed that way than you ever would seeking it all on your own anyways. Because he's really, really, really interested in blessing his kids. We're not just his servants, we're also his kids. And he loves to take care of us. But even if we don't have all the stuff, who gives a rip? Did we tell people about Jesus? Did we lay hands on the sick? Did we cast out demons? And you say, I'm not doing any of that stuff. The way you do it is just to be tied to him and you'll bear fruit. You don't see a grape tree going, got to produce grapes, grapes got to produce, or an apple tree, apples, 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 apples. You don't see that. Why? Because they're, they're tied to the vine they automatically produce. You want to see more in your life? Stay tied to him. Stay rallied around what's important to him, what's, what's, what God considers to be important and essential. And it's pretty obvious what he considers to be important and essential because he wouldn't have given his life for it if it wasn't. And that was a relationship with me and you. Amen? Man, I'll tell you what. If we were selling tapes, I'd, I'd buy them. But you can listen and watch for free again, so it's no problem. This is awesome. This, needs, this, is, this is Jesus' message. This is what Jesus said. You want to find your life. You want to find real purpose. You want to know, you want to know my food. You want to know what sustains me. It's being all about the Father's business. I'm not about my life. I'm not about my desires. Man, he said, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. This is Philippians chapter three, I believe it is, maybe chapter two. It says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ, that being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. So the first thing you, could, you can say is that it's not robbery to consider yourself equal with God in terms of what Jesus had. Now, we're never in a place of being worshiped, amen. But in terms of what Jesus had concerning the inheritance, it's good for you to think of yourself being in that position. But then the very next verse talks about how he, he lowered himself and he humbled himself even to the point of death. So you can think about yourself as complete royalty in Christ Jesus because that is exactly what you are. And you, then you, know, you wanna know what God's kind of royalty does? leaves all of the comforts of heaven and gives his life for humanity. So then I have to ask myself, God, how much are my, are my thoughts of my life really tied to giving my life to humanity? Jesus, how much of me really thinks like God to where my life is given to humanity, to the, to the world? 
to telling them about the God who sent Jesus to save us and to have a relationship with us. Man, what a question. What a question to ask yourself. Aubrey, could you come back and just play for a couple minutes as we're closing here? Would you stand to your feet with me? And this is a message for the hour. Thank you, God, for giving us your words. God, this even quickens my heart, makes me think. There's certain things that I, can, I could give over even more. You understand that you don't have to live in sin to be thinking carnally. All sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. Let me say it again. All sin is carnal. It's fleshy. But not all carnality is wrong. But a lot of it is not in line with with the Lord. A lot of it is just seeking after our own stuff. I've met, let me tell you something kind of sad. But I have met, and many of you have too, but I've met so many people, especially in ministry, so many people that have come to the end of their lives and they realized that they lived their lives for themselves. And then also what's sad is that I've seen some people and met some people to where they're really, really good And they think because they're good that they've really lived for the Lord. God doesn't care about your actions and your goodness so much as he cares about your submittedness to him. Just being at a place to where you're totally surrendered. Everything you do, your job, your family, your house, your car, your relationships, That's what he cares about most because if God can get all those things from you and he can have your heart, then good will come out of you because you'll be tied to him. It's always about we've got things, we've got man's ideas and some of man's ideas appear good. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man but the end thereof is death. Death is being carnal. Life is being heavenly minded it says to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace and ultimate spiritual mindedness is to wake up every day and say God this day belongs to you my agenda belongs to you my heart belongs to you every footstep belongs to you I want to go and say and do everything that you want me to say in every place you want me to go and everything you want me to do That is what my life is about and I'm totally surrendered to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody just close their eyes for a moment. And Father, just on behalf of all of us, I'm just gonna pray this out loud because I know this has really touched so many hearts. We just wanna ask your forgiveness. And I know you've already forgiven us because that's how powerful the blood of Jesus is. 
but God, as a place of standing in faith and humility, faith in your forgiveness and humility because we need it. We just ask for your forgiveness for being so self-focused, so carnally minded, so man-minded. And Father, we wanna carry your heart. We wanna carry what's important to you. So Lord, thank you for making our hearts awaken to the need for constantly throwing self out of the way in pursuit after you. God, I thank you that every heart in here, every person in here, and I'm telling you, there's an anointing right now to hear what I'm saying and to activate this. And I just feel like in your own words, you need to, you need to just whisper to the Lord from your heart in your own words that you're not gonna pursue your interest, you're gonna pursue his interest. That you're not gonna build your kingdom, but you're gonna build his kingdom. That you're not gonna be after your desires, but after his desires. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. It says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which actually means the imputed righteousness, not all of your lofty things you can do, but just how he's made you. You seek him and his righteousness and all the other things will be added unto you. All your needs will be taken care of. We'll never see the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. We don't have anything to worry about. And Father, we just give all of our our finances, all of the material things, all of the relationships. God, most importantly, we give our lives in total surrender to you, Jesus. Total surrender to you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociparadel.com.